Hey y'all, this is Reed in post-production. I just want to make a quick note that the Jordan Riley commitment happened just after we finished recording, so we didn't quite get to it on the podcast, um, but I thought I'd quickly share my thoughts at the top here. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a 6'5", 330-pound defensive lineman uh, transferring to Oregon from Nebraska. I think my first takeaway from this pickup is it's kind of a nose-tackle type uh, I know a lot of people felt like Taki was a potential replacement for what Oregon lost in Jason Jones, and I feel like Riley uh, probably can fill that role even better, uh, especially going forward after Popo potentially is gone. So um, I like the pickup. I mean, I definitely think the big storyline is is Tony T having the familiarity with him at Nebraska, and overall, you know, despite the lack of playing time that we've seen Riley on the field, it it seems like, you know, a good idea to trust the guy who was his position coach at Nebraska uh, to make the judgment that, that he can come in and add something to the Oregon defensive line room. So, you know, a solid pickup. I think it's kind of a wait-and-see mode, but um, I liked it overall. Uh, and, and on this episode, we talk a lot about the signing day coming up on Wednesday, um, and we're hoping to talk more about 2023 in our next episode. So, yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. Enjoy. special uh national signing day preview edition for you all i'm charlie joined by reed reed you are back in the south as i take it right yep back in the south class is starting all that good stuff yep how about yourself i'm all right getting up early staying up late you know how it is (laughs) i think we're both about to complete some homework assignments after we're done with this on sunday Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. um but we certainly have a lot to discuss uh, considering this upcoming 2022 recruiting class. Before we get to that, um, there is a couple pieces of news that we got to touch on regarding this team. I believe we have yet to discuss two very important Oregon running backs uh, that have left the program. C.J. Verdell, obviously going to the NFL draft. Good for him. Travis Dye, you know, going to USC. It, uh, it is what it is. Um what were your kind of first reactions when you heard both of these pieces of news, especially die? Cause like, that's obviously the more eye popping of the two results, I think. Yeah. The die decision, I think we'd heard about it for a little bit that it was kind of bubbling and there was some potential there. Um, and then there was some kind of news that he was back around Eugene and people, you know, sleuthing on Instagram feeds and the like, um, so I felt I felt a little surprised when it finally broke, I guess. Um, I kind of thought that it was maybe trending back towards Oregon before that happened. But I understood mm-hmm. the decision uh, based on NIL and stuff and getting back closer to home. Um, you know, it's fine, I guess. I think obviously I don't like USC as an Oregon fan, right? I think that we all have some animosity there and especially – them trying to take back a place in the conference and kind of all the hype that's going on right now that him being a part of that is frustrating and especially it being a die knowing like what that what him and his brother have the role they played at Oregon so it's going to be tough to see it you know I think hopefully after this year uh he'll He'll be welcome back at Oregon, and he'll still be proud of his time as a duck. Um, but for this year, there's, I'm certainly not going to be rooting for him, right? I mean, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any intention of rooting for USC. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, same across the board, right? Good for him, get your bag, whatever. But in this, you know, I I figure like, I I would like to think he could could do the same thing at Oregon. Uh, but, you know, coaching, coaching changes, obviously the, the biggest motivator in this. Um, 
it's just so puzzling, man. Like you said, the Dye family has such a, and that name has such a big legacy here at Oregon. It's really sad to see him go. Um, and you know, I, I, I'll be rooting for him when he's not playing against the Ducks. I think in general, I, I'll, this is a total like middle of the summer discussion, but you know, I think in general, I'm going to root for USC just obviously when they're not playing Oregon to kind of bring back that West coast, um, attention really (laughs) if we really boil it down that's what i mean is attention uh on the pac-12 so yeah we'll we'll see what happens but um verdell i think again the more obvious of the two decisions like running back that size you got to get to the league as soon as you can really running backs at all in this this day like you got to get to the league um yeah so that's fine Verdell, I feel really positively towards him, obviously. I think it was, it really felt like Verdell's time for me. Um, he, mm-hmm. I mean, he did a ton here. Uh, I always think back to, like, I remember distinctly going into that 2018 season and there wasn't a running back around, you know, uh, Royce yeah. had yeah. just left, I think. Um, and it was kind of like, geez, this is the weakest running back room we've had in a while. We pretty much went from, you know, LaMike to Kenyon to Royce and Thomas Tyner and Byron Marshall. And, you know, there's a well, whole... Well, that's the thing. It's all those background names that really built up that room for so long. Just yeah, the exactly. the depth that we had, yeah. And then it was like, in 2018, it was like, who are we giving this room to? You know, I think... Um, I think I forget if Tony Brooks James was still around for one more year, but I remember that spring and fall camp looking at Verdell and being like, I guess this redshirt freshman might have to be the the guy. We were hearing some positive things in camp, and he stepped up big time. I mean, I remember vividly Mm -hmm. that Stanford game that ended up going south and him fumbling, but, I mean, he played a big role in that game leading up to it, and then he obviously responds and gets the game-winning touchdown versus Washington. Uh, and then he's a staple of, of this offense for the rest of his career when he's on the field, at least. So um, he had a good career. I think, you know, some people got tired of it at the end and just saying, like, look at a guy like Byron Cardwell and all the potential he has and let's see him get his run, you know. But uh, I think you also have to acknowledge that Verdell was there at a time when there weren't any of those, you know, young, shiny super talented backs uh, as an option at Oregon. He was kind of, by necessity, we needed someone to step up, and he shouldered that load in a great way uh, and had a lot of his biggest performances on the biggest stages too. I mean, Utah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. conference title game, and obviously the Ohio State game this year was just an awesome moment, I think, where Oregon was thrust in the national spotlight, and it was cool to see our guy who had kind of grown with the program really break out in that uh in that game yeah definitely like you said i mean it's tough to see a guy go like this you know getting injured midway through the season and then kind of well not playing another snap for the team but um yeah man i'm gonna remember him for how just how hard he ran he was never the biggest dude uh like cardwell but i mean he would put his head down and he was a great like north south runner he would always just you know push up the field for those extra yards which i loved um, but I mean, talk about burying the lead. Jesus, we, uh, <laughs> it took us five minutes to mention Byron Cardwell in this conversation. Um, I'm super excited for Cardwell and it's always easier to say this kind of stuff once the guys ahead of him are out of the room. Cause you know, you never want to just like let someone inherit a spot without the other guys like moving on first. But now that they're gone, I mean, I, I feel very confident in saying that I love having Byron Cardwell as our starting running back. Um, yeah, and absolutely. we'll get into a couple more guys later who, who might factor in as well. But as of time of recording, again, this is Sunday evening at about 7 o'clock right now. Um, three running backs in, in the room. And that and one of them is Seven McGee. So I guess it's like two and a half running backs because he's kind of like a – he'll split out wide as well. Uh, the third being Sean Dollars, of course, uh, returning from the transfer, his brief stint in the transfer portal. Um, so we'll see how he factors in this season, but yeah, man, do you want to throw anything on Cardwell real quick or should we, uh, keep it moving? Well, I would say I just, in general, it's kind of a funny feeling. I think, 
you feel a bit like naked almost at the running back position because we had six guys who we were excited about going into last season and now we're down to three you know two and a half depending where seven fits in so it's a little different um it's not you know last year it was just like you felt bulletproof in that like we and we suffered a fair amount of injuries but it was like okay next man up next man up like Mm -hmm. there's no number of injuries almost that could you know, keep us from having a capable back, capable back out there. Uh, it'll be a little different next year, right? But I think as long as you get a 2022 20, guy in there, you're going to be fine. If you could get a transfer that fits, um, that'll be good. And I guess that's a good time to, to briefly mention, um, mm-hmm. I guess it was earlier today or was it yesterday that Jarek Broussard uh, committed? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, committed to Michigan State. Um, obviously the tie there with Mel Tucker from his time at Colorado, you know, it was a close battle, uh, in some ways, or I guess at least Oregon was a serious contender. They got the visit, seemed like things went well, but ultimately Broussard decided to go to Michigan state, um, would have been a nice pickup would have been, you know, they're not the same player, but in terms of just production, uh, kind of, you know, a, a guy capable of filling the hole that Die left and kind of taking that rollover as a, mm-hmm. you know, 1A or 1B alongside Cardwell. Um, but didn't work out. So now I think the Ducks are just kind of waiting there. Um, we'll see if they pursue another transfer running back or if they wait, you know, how they handle that situation. But it'll be interesting to see because, you know, you, how many bodies do you want there? Probably four is good uh so just mm-hmm. depending what seven does you know where you want to play him that kind of determines whether you just need a 22 guy or you want to transfer to um so we'll see we'll see but i mean i think the best thing the best news is you have a starter you really like you have a two you like a lot in sean dollars and seven mcgee you like a lot too like there, there's pure mm-hmm. talent there and guys who you're excited to see get carries so it's it's fine outlook overall yeah definitely um honestly we can pivot to this right now since we're on the topic of running backs uh and who guys who we might be looking to add um jordan james is probably the most likely 2022 guy that uh Mm -hmm. oregon's pursuing there's also high three star he's a four star uh, high three-star Andrew Paul currently has a soft commitment to Georgia, but um, there's been a lot of smoke towards Oregon recently. So maybe he's a guy that, that flips to the Ducks on signing day. Um, anybody else that you got an eye on, or are those kind of the two? Uh, yeah, I think um, Yeah, I think that it seems like Jordan James is probably more likely right now. Um, and Andrew Paul is kind of trending away from Oregon in terms of, I think he had a visit lined up uh, or he, he was potentially, you know, a guy that the staff was looking at bringing in and then moves away. Uh, took a visit to, I believe it was Florida um, off the top of my head. So yeah, I think, you know, that one's probably not going to go the Ducks way, but uh, it looks like they are in a good position for Jordan James, which is a nice one. Mm-hmm. And you know, it seems now like, like you said, that Andrew Paul probably does end up at Georgia. Uh, the on three recruiting database tells me it was Georgia uh, for the official visit yesterday. Oh, right on, close enough. To yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Um, not Oregon is the point there. So yeah, hopefully right, Jordan right. James is the yeah. guy to lock down. Uh, you know, you can always poke around for transfers throughout the summer um, if it doesn't work out with James. Uh, I, I don't I don't think even the staff is well I would hope the staff is speculating on who that potentially could be but um, I don't think anyone in our position is really looking at that yet uh, by the way July 1st is that deadline for transfers coming in for next season um, or at least to get into the transfer portal by then uh, so just something to keep in mind um, all right let's go th- let's kind of get into numbers now. Um, by my count on, on this chart I have, which again is available on scoop duck. If you go through the forums, um, I'll, I'll put a comment on it. So it floats at the top, but, uh, or closer towards the top. Um, I 
I'm pretty sure after Andrew Boyle's commitment, kicker from Washington State, transfer kicker today, who is on scholarship, mm-hmm. that brings us to 82 total guys. And in that number, I am including guys like uh, Trajan Williams, Kawika Rogers, Justice Lowe, guys uh, who are committed, but you call it a soft commitment because they haven't signed their letter of intent yet. Um, so that would leave three open spots left between now and, well, the start of next season. Do you see anybody really getting pushed out of this, uh, the room that we currently have? Like, do you see anyone getting pushed out of the program so we can heighten that scholarship count? Or do you think everybody in the program is kind of here to stay? I think I think we'll probably have to see a couple more um get pushed out and it's really tough to i mean sometimes i think people just say you know oh i don't want to speculate on that because it's unfair and that's true but i also would say i'm it's not quite like i'm looking at this list of names and like a few are jumping out to me um i think that some rooms are a little bigger than others right i mean like for instance the Mm -hmm. offensive line room I have no idea who it would be or if they if someone would want to go, but I think you know you've got you're carrying a lot of guys there right now. Um, yeah, I got especially on the on interior. It's quite um, a few. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, people can pour over and speculate themselves about who who may leave, but it seems like probably um, probably you know what two three other guys maybe depending on who else is added in this 2022 class um, because there are a few commitments, you know, coming up that Oregon seems like they would take um, namely Julio Florence on Monday, which we'll get into, but you know, some others looming out there along with potentially movement in the transfer portal. So yeah, I mean, you know, if you only have three spots left, that seems probably like it won't be enough to cover the additions that Oregon wants to make, uh, Mm-hmm. for the rest of this class unfortunately yeah uh, i'm glad you did mention transfers though because let's let's start our numbers count there uh we've had four new guys coming in and eight going going out so that did open up four new spots for oregon um and obviously a lot more spots were opened up just by the number of decommitments that happened once once mario left which again was totally expected um Four guys coming in, obviously Bo Nix. You got Sam Taimani, Taki. I keep calling him Sam because that's the name on my sheet. I should probably even change it to Taki because he <laughs> goes by that. Uh, along the D-line, the other two, Christian Gonzalez and Andrew Boyle, the kicker. I think at least three of those guys are projected starters at this point. Um, Boyle, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a toss-up. Cam Lewis had a pretty good season last year, but he was kind of Mario's guy. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um Again, as of Sunday night, that that's where we stand with those guys going out. I mean, you know these names by now: DJ James, Jason Jones, Logan Sagapolu, Kingsley Sumatia, Michael Pittman, Trey Benson, Travis Dye, and Robbie Ashford. Um, do you do you have any comment on what's already transpired in the transfer portal? <laughs> uh, not really, but I would also just say I think. Um... I think that it's important to know, like, especially with transfers, almost more than anything and scholarship numbers, the staff has so much more information on that stuff than, you mm-hmm. know, fans especially do. But even then, you know, team insiders really do, because usually people don't don't speculate on those things until they're really done. Uh, and people like to keep them under wraps until, you know, they're about to happen so I think those conversations about transfers are oftentimes really fluid and people you know the staff has the best idea of who's probably leaving um and so sometimes Mm -hmm. when you see in addition to a certain position group or something um like a kicker for instance you know that could be a sign that that someone would leave or like we saw um cattlemen leaving like you want extra depth there because of that sometimes those moves Mm -hmm. happen and people fans kind of say oh why are we using this scholarship there or here um but i think that the staff oftentimes has this idea of the numbers that they want to have distributed at each position and so because they have a you know more knowledge of who's leaving what the numbers look like they make moves that you know make sense given what they know but might not 
always makes sense given what the fans see. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just to say, I think there's a lot of worrying about scholarship numbers a lot of times. And in general, in college football, they usually find a way to work themselves out at big time programs who take this thing seriously. Usually they find a way to get to the number that they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, let's jump into the class of 2022 then, which is obviously our kind of meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, First, I want to go over guys who have already committed. Um, And particularly, let's start with the ones who have signed. This is a mix of guys who um, were either committed before Mario left and stayed committed to Oregon and signed their letters of intent, or some of them are guys who were brought in slightly after uh, Mario left um, and the new staff was was here. There's not very many of them, so this won't take very long. Uh, shoot, I lost my place. Michael Wooten, offensive line. Sir Mills and Ben Roberts on the D-line. Anthony Jones on the edge. Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart at linebacker. Uh, we have Jaleel Tucker at corner. So those handful of guys. I think Tucker is kind of the headliner there, obviously. And then his connection to the other Jaleel Florence is, is obviously of paramount interest. Um, and then we have a few few more guys who are still committed to Oregon but haven't signed yet. Uh, one, most recently, Kamari Terrell, who we can talk about in a second. Trajan Williams I have down is still being committed. I, I know he decommitted, I think, after Mario left. And then or maybe he didn't. I don't know. I just haven't really heard anything about him for a long time. Uh, yeah, I think it was so. quiet on that front for a while, but it, it seems like uh, it seems like he's gonna stay stay with Oregon. I think he was just there this weekend, um, and mm-hmm. you know, put out some some tweets with duck emojis, duck gifs, and stuff. Um, so yeah. it seems like you know he was a little radio silent for a tiny bit. It seemed like after the big news. Um, and probably maybe looking around at his options a bit more. Uh, and then, and, and obviously pushing back, not signing on December 15th. But it seems like recently that he's back in the fold. And that's really good news for Oregon because safety is a important position for the Ducks. Uh, really important yeah. positions going forward. Position of need as well. Um, as I count it, there's just five dudes on the roster right now. Uh, at the safety position that includes guys like Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill, who we've seen play nickel, which is obviously like another position being occupied on the field. So right. definitely something to keep an eye on there. Again, Verone McKinley, obviously going to the draft, Jordan Happel and JJ Greenfield also out of the safeties room. You got to bring some more guys in. Trey John's one of those. And we've talked about this before. Maybe some guys can mix in from corner as just general DBs. We'll see what happens there, but for sure. Uh, I and mean, we expect Jeff, Jeff boss to stay linebacker as well. Yeah. That's a broader conversation about, you know, just with landing coming in and implementing a new defense, there's definitely some potential for a few of the body types that fit in a certain spot with the last staff and the last scheme to move over. For instance, like a guy like Traquas mm-hmm. bridges is a classic example of, you know, he was at safety comes to corner who, where does he fit in? You know, where do the nickels fit in? How do are those guys seen in the same way by the new staff when they're reevaluated as they were by the old staff? So we could see some reshuffling of this kind of position chart for sure. Definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we can get into that during the summer. But uh, again, Kamari Terrell, Trajan Williams, um, Kawika Rogers and Justice Lowe are the four who are committed to Oregon but have not signed their letters of intent yet. Uh, I don't remember if Rogers had committed the last time we we spoke, but um, offensive lineman. And then Justice Lowe is a guy we definitely have to talk about. Uh, a wide receiver, again, another position of need, definitely. Um, not for starters necessarily, but, I mean, the depth is getting thinner quickly at wide receiver he would be the seventh guy in that room um and a guy oregon flipped from utah or was he not committed to utah yeah okay yeah he was committed to utah and then decommitted and then ducks came surging in um it was pretty interesting honestly oregon was uh jonathan did an interview with with low where where he kind of said oh he wasn't really considering oregon and this was in early january and (laughs) 
uh, it was, you know, two, three weeks um, in a full court press by the staff where they landed the commitment. I think that's a good early sign of taking a guy who, I mean, you know, Landing wasn't recruiting Justice Lowe at Georgia, I'm pretty sure. Like, there wasn't a previous <laughs> relationship with this one. Um, you know, guys like From Tosh what it sounds like, in the NFL. I don't, I don't think Oregon was recruiting Justice Lowe either. Right. Before right. January. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, coming together fast and building a relationship quickly. Um, and they did that really successfully, so... Obviously, you have the in-state advantage, and that can't be understated, but um, I think it speaks to just how good this staff is, and uh, if those are the returns on it from just having a, you know less than a month to build a relationship with someone, let's see how it looks in you know their first class where they have almost a full year to do it, and then mm-hmm. you know a class where they have two years to do it, because the recruiting calendar is so stretched out now um, that it you know, a lot of the work done is, is being done on guys who are two, three years ahead. And we're seeing that with the visitors list. I know we'll get into it. We're hoping to have Jonathan on soon and kind of look more at the 2023 class and kind of set the framework for that. But I would just say, if you look at the official visitors list on Scoop Duck, it's pretty stunning how many, how, you know, the groundwork that landing in this group is laying for the 23 mm-hmm. and 24 and even 2025 classes. Uh, and that's just how modern recruiting is done. So it seems like they know what they're doing so far. Um, and I know some people are frustrated that it hasn't, it hasn't come through in any huge commitments yet. Maybe, I mean, the Kamari Terrell one was good. The low one was, was a strong one. I think um, a body that Oregon needed and a serviceable guy, a guy with a high upside. Cause he, he just started playing football um, only, I think, two or three years ago. So uh, he's a good athlete and someone who still has some untapped potential there um, in terms of his development. Uh, and then even, I think, Kawika Rogers was an interesting one for sure. I mean, this is another move that um, I saw some people questioning the use of a scholarship on potentially because if you just look at the ratings – uh, he's a guy who, you know, per on three consensus, he sits at 720th. You know, that's a mid three star. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I how, how I would say it is, you know, we saw the Cristobal staff do this a few times too, especially on the offensive line. Uh, just kind of called their shots with a guy, called their shot with a guy. I think you're allowed to do that a couple times a class. Uh, and the good news is it's it's a big body. You know, it's kind of, I've seen people describe it as a ball of clay. Uh, and that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, you, you, sometimes you have to pick one of those guys in the rough, especially late in a class. Um, and this isn't, you know, he had an offer from Arizona state. He had one from Fresno state. So I think that, um, it's, you know, what had to be done in terms of, you lose a lot of the pieces of the offensive line in this class. How do you just get a couple bodies in to rotate in there? Especially someone who could potentially play tackle. Um, and if you're going to get one of those guys, you know, get one that's six, six <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to one that's six, two. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and hope that you can develop them down the line, especially when you have a easy, you know, year ahead of you with where you really don't need anyone to step in next year with the, veteran group of offensive linemen that you have mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense i mean again the <laughs> this always ends up being like the rub in these conversations but the staff knows more than we do so i'm i'm not really super worried about it um all right let's get to some guys uh who might be able to fill these spots um again as of time of recording i believe there are three left as we mentioned earlier, that can open up into more spots that can close down into fewer once guys commit. Um, you know, maybe you subtract some guys or maybe even some decommitments happen and then you, you get even more spots. So the top names we're looking to add, I, I think we know who's at the top of the list. Um, and thankfully, it seemed like this person's visit went pretty well this weekend at Oregon. And that's Jaleel Florence. Um, yep. Again, we talked about the package deal of the Jaleels 
for a very long time, even during the season on this podcast. Um, both these guys from Lincoln High School in San Diego, Crystal Ball's staff built a great relationship with both. Uh, Jaleel Tucker liked it so much that he stuck around even after uh, Mario left. Florence decommitted. You know, we'll see what happens. Or was he committed? Yeah, he was committed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he, yeah, yeah. I got that right. Um, why am I doubting myself? <laughs> Been visiting around. So there was speculation as to where else he would land. But for all intents and purposes, according to Bossman J Hop at Scoop Duck, it seems like Florence will be at Oregon uh, when he signs on Monday. Now, don't, you know, don't etch it in stone just yet before you get your hearts broken. But, um, yeah, what do you think about this? <laughs> we've of course been through these these you know battles before, especially with a team like USC who pulls the rug after on out from under you at the end of things uh, more times than a lot of programs. But this one seems to be trending the right way for sure. Um, it's big, you know. I think people who haven't followed this one closely, you know, some people are kind of yawn. This guy was already committed. You know, this isn't really that big of a deal. But look, if you, you know, move the clock back two, three weeks here, there was a real period where it felt like uh, Florence was starting to become a USC lean potentially. Uh, and and like this was going to be, you know, a, a real battle for him. Uh, and I think it was. But ultimately, I mean, you can't tell this story of, of Florence's recruitment without linking him to Tucker, of course. Uh, and I think a it was a big move to get Tucker signed at the early signing day. You know, that was something that came in as a surprise on that day. Um, and is, as you said, you know, the headliner of the class right now. Um, but I think it also just made it. So you have this one guy locked in and it just so happens he's best friends and a great peer recruiter <laughs> to go at another co-headliner, another really good uh, corner that you need um and jaleel florence and so yeah i mean they this was pretty awesome stuff um of course there's the story of landing facetiming jaleel florence from the tunnel of the national title game i mean that was pretty <laughs> awesome pretty baller move uh from dan there. Stuff, yeah <laughs> yeah so like um and then tosh showing up as showing up at his door at midnight on the first day you're allowed to visit <laughs> yeah. prospects uh, in home, like this staff really showed, you know, if there is whatever we can do to get a prospect like this, you know, if we prioritize him, we are going to do literally anything that the rules allow, <laughs> you know, call, I can call him after I win a, you know, how soon after I'm calling the game, can I call a recruit? Oh, as soon as I step into the tunnel. Okay. I'm on FaceTime. Like, What's the exact minute that we can be at this guy's yeah. house before anyone else? Okay, we're there, you know? Um, so it was awesome, right? I think it was a full display of how, you know, I, I don't know what to say, just how how good at recruiting this staff can be if they really want a guy. And it was clear that he was at the top of that board pretty much. Yeah, and again, for good reason. Uh, high four-star Again, we, we don't even need a lot of talent anymore. Like, everybody listening knows how good Jaleel Florence is. Um, so, yeah, if we can lock that down, I think we can unequivocally call, considering everything else on the board right now, I think we can unequivocally call this landing recruiting cycle a success for 2022. Um, and, it's again, it's hard to even call it, like, landing's recruiting cycle because there's just been so much movement uh, coaching staff-wise and, like, commitment wise dealing with mario and all that jazz so yeah i mean um, this is this is also kind of the first big um big fight between the oregon and usc staffs for a guy it feels mm -hmm. like you know mm -hmm. that they i mean there's no denying usc had florence high on their board tried to get in there i mean if you follow usc recruiting you know if the guy plays corner and he has four stars next to him they'll take him they'll go <laughs> They'll, from they'll get, SoCal as well. If they could yeah. fill a whole class of California four-star or five-star cornerbacks, they would do it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but, I, I mean, um, big, big win for Oregon, right? Uh, 
Yeah. Hopefully. And, Fingers crossed. By the right, time you're listening right. to this, you will probably know one way or the other. Right. Exactly. Um, other guys that we should talk about, uh, I mm-hmm. think, I mean, Dave Iuli was a guy who made it to campus. Um, people are talking about that. I mean, and specifically J-Hop, obviously, the, the number one insider for Oregon recruiting. But uh, it's talking about, you know, the Oregon-Miami battle. Um, that's what it seems like it is heading towards signing day. Obviously, mm-hmm. we we know those guys down at Miami. Um, but yeah, we're you know working to get updates on that visit up on Scoop Duck. So as with all these guys who visited, so check that out for you know the more insider nuggets. But uh, seems like Oregon has a chance here, right? I mean, you get a guy on campus the weekend before Wednesday signing day, you're seriously in it right people don't take those visits the weekend before (laughs) to schools they aren't considering um so yeah no matter what the uh recruiting projection machine thinks which is a great feature on on three but i i think it's still it it uses machine learning so it's got to take some time to work some kinks out maybe but um yeah i mean obviously you always want to be the last visit for a guy uh, and it looks like oregon is going to do that. Obviously we know how hard Mario can work to switch those sort of things around at the last minute, but um, considering he doesn't really have a support staff right now, uh, it might be a little bit harder for him to do that. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I would say, what are you thinking? Like 60% chance? Yes. On Ayuli. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know if I would go quite that high, but I, it's it's really tough to read. Um, he's 51, not a 50. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a big, uh, huge talker, you know, in terms yes, of he's not yes. out on social media tweeting out a bunch of different stuff, and so I think you know I, I guess I would just say probably like a fifty fifty, right? I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what his decision comes down to, so it's tough for me to say. It seems like those are those are the two options. Some people thought Miami, but then, you know, the fact that he was on campus at Oregon says a lot. And with Oregon's track record with visits, you know, with Cristobal and the early returns on visits being really good with landing in Eugene as well, um, you know, it's it's really tough to get a dependable read if you haven't talked to a guy from when he was on campus to when he signs in three days if that could have completely changed his thinking because it so often does uh, in recruiting. And that's not to say Mm -hmm. that he was even a Miami lock before going on the visit. So that'll be an interesting one to follow for sure. Um, And with Ayuli, I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, he's a, he's a good player. He's a four star. He can play offensive line. He can play defensive line. Um, Yeah. So it's a really valuable body to have on the team. Uh, You know, but also I think, Oregon has some guys at those spots, so uh, they don't necessarily need him. I think it's it's one of those, you know, cherry on top, but it's Florence's guy who's kind of essential to the class a little more, and Ayuli would be a really good pickup, but, um, but Oregon could certainly survive losing him, I think. Well, here's the thing, though, right, is when when you think about how, like, championship-caliber programs process this kind of stuff, it's not about, oh, maybe we'll survive this, maybe we won't. Like, yeah, sure, maybe you won't, like, go after a guy 110%. Maybe you're only going 100% instead. Uh, <laughs> but the fact is, I mean, you want to stack as much talent as you right. literally can into a room. Um, and a Yuli would certainly be a, a chance to do that. Another guy who the Ducks would very much like to have in the O-line room, Josh Connerly. Um this uh, on three recruiting prediction, I'm much more happy to believe. It, <laughs> it really <laughs> uh, it likes Oregon's chances in this one. Uh, it has them on par with some other schools like Michigan. Uh, what, what are you thinking about Connerly? Is there like a, um, I don't know, is it kind of like a you get one but not the other with Connerly and Iuli? Do you think there's any chance that we could reel both of them in? Uh, and which one would you, which one of these guys do you think you would want more? Uh, I, I definitely think, um, I definitely think Connerly's the one you want more. And I say that especially because, you know, this is kind of an obvious point, but people look at, you know, people say, oh, you're taking an offensive lineman, but obviously, you know, 
I think more and more there's a breakup between interior offensive linemen and tackles. I guess it's always been that way, but you know, anyways, I, that, to that's be fair, kinda... I mean, people have been paying attention to Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Like he doesn't really see a difference between those. So <laughs> yeah. Tough, yeah. <laughs> right. right. I guess that's true. But I think Oregon's been in a need for really high quality tackles for a while. And we saw that with a guy like TJ Bass. Uh, who is your best offensive lineman probably on the interior having to kick out to out exterior or outer Mm -hmm. uh, offensive tackle. So in that respect, I think you want Connerly. I mean, on top of that, he's a borderline five-star. He's in Washington, which is nice. You know, I mean, Iuli is too, Uh, but that's always nice for both, both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of how I see the recruitment, I think that, uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, but it seems like this one's going till March. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have a ways till his decision. It's kind of nice because it gives the staff, you know, a month basically to focus in on him after they get some other guys locked in and they can kind of just, you know, focus on the guys they have in the building, a couple transfer targets, and Connerly. Um, mm-hmm. And so I see it as I think Michigan had a lot of steam early in this recruitment. I think that they've kind of fallen back, faded a bit recently. Um, there's also a bunch of Harbaugh news going on at Michigan. I don't for people who follow that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so that could obviously factor in if Harbaugh leaves, right? You'd think that he probably isn't going to Michigan. Um, yeah. There's still a factor, but I would say uh, other than that, I mean, uh, put out on on three by by Chad Simmons, one of the national guys, was that. Oregon and USC thought had the most buzz in this recruitment right now. Uh, I think Washington's a factor for sure, just because they're the local team. But I, I have also been sold this bag of goods from Washington fans so many times where it's, you know, <laughs> no, this guy really wants to stay home. This guy really does. And it hasn't been true. Uh, you know, it wasn't true with the Mecca. It wasn't true with JTT. Uh, of course, with Heward, it did, it, you know, it was true because he's a legacy, but um anyways i think it's a four-team race right now with oklahoma maybe on the outside i know miami's trying to get into i think that's his six uh, but i would find it hard to believe that he goes all the way to miami um i think oregon is kind of sneaking around lurking there with a chance you know to to take a hold of this recruitment though for sure um Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see where it goes definitely i think that you know, Adrian Clem is a really good recruiter. Uh, he's going to have a connection there and, and build that relationship. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I definitely would say Oregon has a very realistic shot there, you know, along with Michigan, USC, and Washington also. But Oregon's right in there. That's one of the ones that I think the, the RPM on on three has, has a pretty good handle on, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um definitely a name to look out for probably one of the top you know easily a top five guy on the board right now uh as we move through this there's a few more names i think though the guys we've mentioned so florence Ayuli, james and Connerly, are really really like the guys you want uh you get a commitment from any four of those guys and it's it's pretty big news especially florence mm-hmm. Ayuli or, or Connerly. james just kind of came into the picture a little later and he's a little lower rated right still would I mean, be huge just because again the running back room needs help but yeah right and and you've also probably would mention a guy like christian james or um sorry i'm blanking on his last name christian miller Jesus. yes yes yeah my brain's a little fried everyone sorry it's <laughs> it's funny i kind of am like um i used to feel like I, I had this stuff down a little better almost when i didn't do it uh, as much but when you talk to so many people <laughs> you kind of hear so many names and lists you know i probably message like you know double digits of guys today trying to get interviews and stuff so you kind of like some of this stuff bleeds together and i'm a little less fresh almost than i was back when i just followed this stuff purely as a fan anyways though um a guy like that's why i keep all my memory on spreadsheets right right it's much easier to keep track of Um, (laughs) now i just got to remember to update them but yeah 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 no i mean the info is all in there somewhere but the boxes are a little (laughs) less organized maybe than they were before um 
anyways, though, so yeah, Christian Miller, I think, um, is it just seems like that one's trending away from the Ducks, right? I, I mean, just mm-hmm. if you're listening, guys, who this would be a, a absolute take that Oregon would really want and that fans should be really excited for. Christian Williams is or Christian Miller. Jeez, Christian Williams is on the team. Christian Miller was on that list, uh, but, you know, he's not going to be with Oregon, it seems like, right now. So take that for what it is. Uh, the Ducks are going to be fine there. You know, I think the defensive line is in a good spot. You always can use more more guys there, especially on the West Coast. And honestly, that's one of the things that I'm most excited about with this staff uh, is, you know, when you have Tosh coming in there, and you have Landing, who's had success in the front seven. Get some real D linemen in here. Oregon's done well, uh, but you know, and at times it felt like you know Coach Joe developed really well. And you had Kayvon there, who was kind of a cheat code, uh, but <laughs> there weren't. You know, Oregon wasn't loaded up with these top 100 players along the defensive line, uh, mm-hmm. and that is a way to really control games in the Pac-12 and then compete when you get to a playoff is to have, you know, a bunch of those guys on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, anyone who watched Georgia at any point this year and Dan Lanning's defense can attest to how important D-line is uh, if you want to get to that championship level. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess those five then, Florence, Ayuli, James, Connerly, and and Miller kind of like the maybe your top targets I guess you would say I don't know would you also consider a, a receiver anywhere in there I mean we, we just talked about how getting a transfer receiver would be nice I know there's been smoke about Chase Coda a lot recently Brew McCoy is a guy who's likely looking for a landing spot away from USC um, maybe even I mean I haven't really seen anybody from the 22 class but what do you think about wide receiver you think it's probably going to be one of those transfer guys yeah, it seems like there's some, you know, a real chance with Coda. Um, uh, I know J-Hop put out a, a really good article interview with him recently um, that people should check out if they if they want to. But I think that's a guy who just makes a lot of sense because he can come in, he can play a role, add experience uh, to a young but really talented group, um, but doesn't have the biggest ego, you know, has some organ connections, so I think he cares about the program or, or would, you know, be selfless be a program guy when he comes mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. um so yeah you know I, I think i think that probably makes a lot of sense um and is kind of the name i'm i have kind of penciled in there but i'm not sure if that's how it will work out but i think chase Cotis the guy i've penciled in there now until you know if unless a bigger name emerges or he says no and goes somewhere else um, Brew McCoy is another guy who, who's probably transferring from USC, but not sure if it will be at wide receiver, uh, and not sure exactly how hard Oregon's going to push for him. Um, but he was certainly a really talented guy and he had a relationship with Oregon tight ends coach, uh, Mariner out of, out of high school. So, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see who Oregon fills in there, but I think a wide receiver is needed for sure. Um, I think one transfer wide receiver would be really nice just for numbers, and Coda kind of fits the bill really well of the experience level you'd want um, and just kind of his production and role. Uh, it's not like a game breaker, but you don't really need that in the room right now, right? I mean, you... you mm-hmm are almost excited i mean you are excited if you're a fan for for thornton and franklin and hudson uh to step into you know a big role and be these signature wide receivers so you don't really need another you know devin williams who takes over that obviously you wouldn't complain if you got one but uh coda would fit really well too <laughs> mm-hmm. um all right some odds and ends let's just kind of round out the the rest of the names that we've heard smoke about recently uh, Arliss Boardingham is is one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who right. I believe Florida is also going after pretty hard. What, what can you yeah, tell us about him? That's the top two right now. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Honestly, uh, I think that we're still kind of learning exactly what the staff wants to finish out these roles with, right? So, you know, it depends how they feel about Coda too. Maybe you know, if you 
don't feel good about him or if you know he's going elsewhere or whatever it is you don't think that's going to work out with coda maybe you go back to let's take another prep wide receiver and you push harder for boarding him um but i i also tend to think you know it seems like boarding him probably is going to end up uh end up at florida so we'll mm-hmm. we'll see you know I, I, it's definitely worth following anytime you're in a top two this this late but i mean you look at like the rpm right now it's 95 percent to florida um yeah so you know usually when it's that big a discrepancy and, you can you can pretty much trust it right and jay hop put a prediction in for florida too so you know i think we'll see we'll see but yeah yeah Maybe a guy, a couple guys who the Ducks might have a better chance with. Uh, first one, Jalen Davis Robinson, uh, a corner out of Texas. This guy's a three-star, but got offers from got an offer from LSU um, and some other notable programs. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those late battles where, like you're mentioned, like we're mentioning with Boardingham, you kind of just get into it with these schools a little bit. Hasn't been a ton of smoke with JDR, but um, you know, it's a guy who Oregon could end up with. He showed up in Jayhoff scoop or sorry, the juice a couple days ago. If you know, you know. Um, I think he there. I think he's taking an LSU visit this mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're probably leading for him right now. But just a name to keep an eye on. Um, again, adding another DB, like you can shuffle some guys around between corner and safety, and that that's always valuable. Uh, and then Amari and Winston, linebacker, who was one of Oregon's first commits, if not the first in the twenty two class. A long, long time ago. Uh, linebacker from Central Catholic, shout out, in Portland. Um, obviously, his older brother, Lamar, played for Oregon. Uh, his other older brother um, went to USC, but uh, Elijah. Um, but it's funny, they both, uh, they've both mentioned before that he's going to be the best out of the three. And that was a long time ago, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But just an interesting thing to consider. Uh, decommitted when Mario left. We haven't really heard anything about him. So, I mean, safe to assume Oregon's still in the mix, I guess, uh, especially from a local guy. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But is there anyone else outside of those guys that you got an eye on? Not really, no. No, not really. Uh, I think we'll see. Uh, you know, a guy like a, a safety is a position that we had tagged on here that you want to look at so i mean i think if you do end up signing trajan which it seems like again that's what it's leading towards um you're in a pretty good spot there we'll see if how the staff evaluates whether they want to move more guys over to safety how they viewed the nickels all of that um but there's a potential to kind of wait and see and look for maybe a transfer safety um could be a, a valuable place to you know look at the portal for um but yeah you know it's i mean it's kind of an underwhelming signing day or at least not a i don't know it's it just not as much as required of of the organ program of the staff right now in part because of the Mm -hmm. covid crunch of scholarship numbers um and just the fact that this roster is really in in a pretty strong place um for a new staff to take over so yeah you know uh organs probably not going to finish in the top 10 uh, at least they won't on Wednesday, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like they have in, in the previous years. So that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. But, I mean, you look over on, on three right now, um, they have a cool thing called the blue – I mean, the blue chip ratio isn't, you know, comes from 247, <laughs> but yeah, they apply yeah. it that's to – yeah, yeah they, they have it um, listed on the class, right? What What's the blue chip mm-hmm. ratio? Right now, Oregon's at 55%. Um, and I think if you look at most of the guys that they're targeting right now, uh, those are four-star guys. So, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's good, right? It, it, they might not oh, yeah. finish as highly because it's probably going to end up closer to, you know, 15 guys brought in in terms of prep guys. Um, maybe even yeah, less right than now 15. Right 11. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the class might not be ranked as high, but, uh, I mean, in terms of what that means for next year, you have, that means that you have more upperclassmen. I know Oregon fans have liked to, you know, kind of pride themselves on this tagline of where we have one of the youngest rosters in the country. And that's good. I mean, that's a good thing in a certain sense, but in another sense, it's like, 
you win when you have an older, more experienced roster, right? So mm -hmm. the whole point of having a younger roster is so that eventually you'll have an older roster uh, that can actually yes. win. Yes. Um, <laughs> that uh, is a key part of that, yes. <laughs> you don't want to have the younger roster forever, right? So uh, sometimes that means taking a smaller class and this is you know one of those smaller classes but i think still sets up oregon and a good spot going forward um and like you said i mean overall uh i feel positive about it despite it not being a top 10 class that's gonna come in you know i think adding florence is a huge get right again like we said that wasn't mm -hmm. a sure thing two weeks ago you know even though he was committed before and oregon came, went out won that battle um getting a guy like Kamari Terrell to come in. That was a big thing. Um, yeah. Low. Yeah. Getting that addition was really good. Uh, I think it'll be really yeah, interesting. Like what were you Casually flipping a receiver at the last minute. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Minute, <laughs> from another Pac-12 school <laughs> that just beat you twice during the season. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, going out and getting a guy like Jordan James and even just how that was all navigated with you know, being on it with Andrew Paul right when a bunch of other offers came in for him when Georgia starts pushing harder and Clemson offered him uh, and mm -hmm. being right in the mix of schools that had that click for them all at the same time and go after him is a good sign that you're on the right path. And then being able to flip to a guy like Jordan James, who's, you know, highly rated a blue chip or borderline blue chip um, and bring him in at running back when you need a guy uh, to get a solid prep late in a cycle is really good i mean most of these guys are off the board nowadays by early signing day so the pickings for this staff to finish 2022 were slim you know so mm -hmm. they did a good job in there and then there's still the connerly thing looming out there that would be a huge huge coup if oregon could get it done i mean that would be the headliner of this class um in terms of a rating perspective uh and we'll see how it all breaks down but they're firmly in the mix right now at least so that's going to be really exciting to see as well yeah definitely man uh do you want to throw predictions out for any of these guys or should we just kind of let the cards fall like how, how are we going to do this or chips fall Jeez, am i mixing metaphors um now? i mean i can go quickly in terms of you know, what do you see on Wednesday? I think you probably add Florence. Well, you had Florence Monday. Uh, Jordan James, he has a commitment date, I think, set, but I don't know when it is. I forget now. Um, I think those two are, are ads. And I usually, like I said, it's up in the air for me. Um, and, yeah, Connor Lee, I'm not ready to make a prediction yet because it's so far away, but, I mean, I'm – I'm fully, you know, kind of tracking with that and thinking that Oregon is is positioning themselves well. Uh, and I guess if I had to say, probably Coda ends up in here sometime. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, it's not this big set of fireworks at the end of it. So so we'll see. Um, but I'm excited to have, have Jonathan on and kind of start plotting through more of the 2023 stuff this, some of this episode was recap and dealing in small scholarship numbers but it'll be fun to talk about 2023 and have this blank canvas of you know potentially 25 spots and a bunch of really talented guys that Oregon's already having on campus already mm -hmm. making inroads with and kind of chart out where that could go yeah even starting to get some ends with a certain 2024 guy as well um as always, Scoop Duck is your number one place for that. Uh, you can follow us there. I've been doing basketball stuff for them. Reed, you obviously have been doing a bunch of recruiting stuff. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be getting some uh, some profiles out on Oregon's new coaches that aren't named Dan Lanning uh, sometime this week. Again, homework permitting. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, man. I, I can't think of anything else. And that's crazy because we're under an hour right now in this recording. This is definitely a new record for us. Yeah, I think it probably is outside of our, our intro episode. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, you know, it'll be a fun, fun Wednesday, uh, fun signing day. It's always a fun thing to watch the signatures come in to see 
what happens too at, at the other Pac-12 schools, right? I mean, see how USC mm-hmm. finishes this thing, see how Washington finishes and so on. Um, because, I mean, outside of Connerly and obviously the transfer portal now, um, this is a, you know, kind of closing of the window for prepped guys. I mean, pretty much most mm-hmm. of the guys by the end of this week are off the board, 95% or whatever, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you get your occasional JTT who drags it out into like July or whatever, but right. uh, few and far between these days. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Please rate us and go, Ducks. Go, Ducks.